this podcast episode, we're going to review adrenal gland disorders. We're going to talk about the overview of what the adrenal gland does and the different parts of it. And then we'll talk about Cushing's disease, pathophysiology, signs and symptoms, expected lab values and diagnostics. And then we'll touch on collaborative care for Cushing's. We'll also talk about Addison's disease, and particularly, we're going to talk about Addisonian crisis, since that is a life-threatening medical emergency. So the adrenal gland sits on top of your kidneys. You have two adrenal glands, since you have two kidneys. The inside is of the adrenal gland is called the adrenal medulla. And that's what's responsible for releasing epinephrine, norepinephrine, and dopamine. And all of those things are neurotransmitters, but also hormones um, that have to do with fight fight or flight, which is the sympathetic nervous system response. The cortex is what's on this exam. And the cortex of the adrenal gland is what secretes three really important hormones, but you only really need to focus on two of them for this exam, glucocorticoids and your mineralocorticoids. And so when you're thinking about glucocorticoids, you're thinking about cortisol. Cortisol is your stress hormone. And what it does is it, it regulates glucose metabolism. It's really necessary for maintaining life because glucose uh, or cortisol, I'm sorry, um, is something that helps us like regulate blood pressure. It tells our body that, you know, we're in stress and to respond to stress. So it's an important hormone. Um, it is a thing that when you're stressed out, um, it makes your blood glucose become elevated. And you guys know that because your hospitalized patients have elevated glucose levels. And that's because they are, their bodies are under stress and they have elevated cortisol. Um, so anytime you have elevated glucose levels, it's going to be telling your body to store fat. And so you're going to end up with a lot of fatty deposits anytime you have excess levels of cortisol. And it's going to be very, very difficult to lose that weight because this hormone is being secreted in excess amounts. And so you're not going to be able to combat that, um, with regular weight loss strategies. Now, your mineral corticoid is your aldosterone, and so we have to go back to the RAS system, the renin-angiotensin-aldosterone system, and recall that aldosterone acts on the uh, part of the kidney where reabsorption of sodium and water occur. And this is where also when sodium is reabsorbed, potassium is excreted. So anytime our um, aldosterone levels are very high, What's going to happen is our kidneys are going to hang on to sodium and water, and then it's going to get rid of potassium. Uh, and that's very important. That ha- The reason it's doing that is to regulate extracellular fluid volume and to increase blood pressure. Um, but it helps to understand what these two hormones are doing because later when we talk about Cushing's disease, uh, it will help us to understand the different lab values that you're going to see here in uh, specifically electrolyte imbalances. And so recall that Cushing's disease is the syndrome that happens when too much of these hormones are being secreted, okay? You have an excess of corticosteroids and you have, or especially glucocorticoids and, uh, you know, your mineral corticoids. 
Um, and so the result is this can be caused by like a pituitary tumor that's secreting way too much ACTH. It can be due to uh, an adrenal cortex tumor or neoplasm. But very commonly, it's because we're giving exogenous corticosteroid therapy to a patient that is having inflammation and we're trying to suppress inflammation. And this is one reason why we would never, we really hesitate to put patients on corticosteroid therapy unless they really need it. This is the reason why all corticosteroid therapy um, that's, you know, given on an outpatient basis is generally given on a tapered dosage and why we're monitoring patients very carefully if they're on um, long-term corticosteroid therapy because most of the time anyone who's on corticosteroid therapy for a long uh, amount of time is going to end up developing symptoms of Cushing syndrome because we have caused an excess of corticosteroids in their body. We're, pu we're putting too much corticosteroids and glucocorticoids into their body that they can't really use and it's causing issues with weight gain, hypernatremia, hyperglycemia, etc. And so that's what you're going to see. The signs and symptoms are of Cushing's disease are increased fat deposits. Um, they'll have fat deposits happening in their face, and that's called moon face. They'll have the fat deposit on the upper part portion of their back, which is uh, named buffalo hump. I didn't come up with any of these names, and I'm sorry that they're named this. Um, they'll end up with a lot of central obesity as well. And because of that central obesity and just the rapid weight gain that they experience, they really, uh, their skin doesn't really have time to compensate for all the weight gain. And so they end up with quite a bit of abdominal striae, which is just uh, stretch marks. And so um, the other thing, though, that's happening in the body is you have these, you know, the water's being reabsorbed, sodium's being reabsorbed. And so you end up with uh, quite a lot of fluid retention. Uh, the other thing that's happening is hyperglycemia. Because of the excess glucocorticoids, your uh, serum glucose levels stay high. And so you're really setting the patient up for diabetes. And um, before they get diabetes, they're still having excess uh, glucose levels. And so they may start manifesting with like UTI signs, um, signs of poor wound healing, where they may get, you know, a cut that doesn't heal well. If they break a bone, it's not going to heal well. And so um, poor wound healing is a really common sign of Cushing syndrome. So if you had a patient who was suspected of having Cushing syndrome, maybe they have the buffalo hump and the moon faces and they've been on corticosteroids for quite a while, or maybe they haven't, but you're thinking, well, maybe there's something else going on that's causing this. They would do a complete metabolic panel first. They would see what, you know, uh, the potassium is, sodium is. Of course, sodium is going to be high and potassium is going to be low because of that excess secretion of aldosterone. Um, telling your kidneys to hold on to all of your sodium, sodium and get rid of all of your potassium. You're going to have high levels of glucose, like we said. Um, some of that glucose is going to end up in your urine, and they'll also test for plasma cortisol levels. Now, the problem with plasma cortisol levels is cortisol plasma levels change quite a bit throughout the day, depending on what's happening, how relaxed you're feeling, what's going on in your day. Um, if you're feeling psychological stress of any kind, then those fluctuate quite a bit. And so one plasma cortisol level draw really is not enough to help us figure out if it's um, chronically high or routinely high, 
consistently high. And so that's why what's most common, um, because when you have elevated plasma cortisol levels, you're also going to have elevated urine cortisol levels. So what they would actually uh, more routinely order is a 24-hour urine cortisol collection where we're asking the patient to collect all of their urine for a 24-hour period, and then we're testing the amount of cortisol in that urine. Um, and that would give us a much broader picture of their cortisol elevation throughout a day. Um, then we would also potentially see a CT MRI if there was reason to believe that this was being caused by some kind of tumor in the brain or on the adrenal cortex. And if that's the case, then they would go in and um, obviously either remove the pituitary tumor using a transphenoidal approach, or they would do an adrenalectomy. And you do not need to know about those for um, this exam. Um, one thing, though, is when you're talking about collaborative care and we're talking about removing the cause of the hypersecretion, if it's not some kind of adenoma or tumor that's causing this issue, if it's corticosteroid therapy, there's three strategies that you can really use to taper your patient off and reduce Maybe they're on, they need long-term corticosteroid therapy. I'll give you an example. Someone with an autoimmune disease may need long-term corticosteroid therapy because it's their immune system that's causing um, autoimmune issues, right? So my mother has rheumatoid arthritis. Um, her body is attacking her joints, essentially, and like creating these deposits in her joints that her body identifies as antigens and they start attacking her joints. Well, the treatment for that, one of the treatments is to suppress her immune response to her own body. So she might be a good candidate for corticosteroid therapy, and she might need that. Otherwise, she's going to have significant joint damage. Now, corticosteroid therapy is quite dangerous because it can cause Cushing syndrome, but the other thing is that if your patient stops taking corticosteroid therapy, then they can go into Addisonian crisis. So... We need them to stay on corticosteroid therapy. There's obviously benefits for, you know, patients who are on it and they need to be on it. But we also need to control this um, tendency for us to be giving them too much. And so you can gradually discontinue the medication if they don't need to be on it any longer. And that's any that's true anytime you've had a corticosteroid taper, um, like solumedrol, where you get that package of seven days and you take like six pills the first day of corticosteroids and then as soon as you take that loading dose you're just tapering off of that medication. Um, you can also reduce the overall dosage as long as you're achieving therapeutic effects of the corticosteroid. If they need long-term corticosteroid therapy then that's a good option. And then finally you can do an alternate day regimen and the reduced dose and alternate day regimen are for your patients who still need that long um, term corticosteroid therapy, they can't be off of it, but they're having some cushoid syndrome, like cushoid symptoms that we want to control. So reducing the dose and alternate day regimen may be um, helpful. You, the reason I point out the things that you can do is because what's not on that list is um, withholding medication or, you know, suddenly discontinuing it. Cause that happens a lot when patients start feeling like, oh, this medication is no good, and they just decide to stop taking it. In this situation, anytime you have a patient, anytime you have a patient on corticosteroid therapy, they absolutely cannot just stop taking it. Um, and that's a common, common, common test question, NCLEX question, uh, because it is so important because the patient can go into 
Addisonian crisis, which we'll talk about later. So if Cushing's disease is excess secretion of your adrenal gland hormones, your glucocorticoids and your mineral corticoids, Addisonian disease is the hyposecretion of those hormones. So you're not having enough release of glucocorticoids and you're not getting enough aldosterone either secretion. Um, this has a very slow onset with very vague symptoms. Uh, you'll have some weakness, some fatigue, some weight loss, anorexia, nausea, some vomiting, hyponatremia. And you'll want salty foods because of the hyponatremia that's happening in your body from the aldosterone. Um, and the real, uh, you know, these patients can have orthostatic hypotension, which if someone's complaining of orthostatic hypotension, the first line treatment is to increase their salt and water intake because we're wanting to increase their blood pressure. So in, whereas in Cushing syndrome, you're going to have hypernatremia and hypokalemia. This is the exact opposite. You're going to have hyponatremia and hyperkalemia. Um, with these patients, you're going to encourage a high sodium diet and as much water as they can get in to try and replace and increase their blood pressure. But again, this is kind of vague symptoms. Um, and so it takes quite a while to diagnose because they feel tired. Um, you know, they feel a little weak. Uh, they have some weight loss and they have some orthostatic hypotension, some depression. That's a lot of people. A lot of people would fit that category or those, you know, different subset of symptoms. So unless there was some reason to do a CMP and you saw that the patient was profoundly hyponatremic and profoundly hyperkalemic, then you wouldn't necessarily think anything of those symptoms. However, those symptoms aren't necessarily quite enough to make someone think that the patient needs a CMP and so it can take quite a while to get a diagnosis that's accurate here. The one thing about Addison's disease that is different is the hyperpigmentation of the skin that happens. And really what that means is that they tan very, very easily. Um, and you can take someone who has very fair skin and with Addison's disease, they're going to be prone to um, tanning and they're gonna look a lot darker than they probably should look considering their ethnicity. So um, that is the standout symptom. Um, and I always think of my uh, a student's mom who had it and she showed me a picture and she was a fairly fair-skinned woman at one point in her life. And by the time she'd been diagnosed with Addison's disease, she was very dark complected. So it was kind of um, remarkable how, how much that hyperpigmentation really did take over. Um, so you would simply, with Addison's disease, replace your glucocorticoids, um, and that's generally with hydrocortisone and prednisone, and you would replace your mineral corticoids with fludrocortisone, and then again, encourage a high sodium diet. That's not gonna be a problem for them. They're gonna be craving that anyways. Um, now, anytime, this is very important, anytime you have someone who has adrenal hyposecretion for whatever reason, whether it's, um, you know, they're coming off of corticosteroids or they have Addison's disease, anytime they do have uh, extra stress, maybe they're in nursing school, maybe they're having an exam coming up, maybe they have gotten a COVID infection or they're going to have surgery, any kind of psychological or physical, physiological stress, 
they're very likely going to need an increase in their dosage of glucocorticoids to help them cope with the extra stress because their adrenal glands have hyposecretion. And so the adrenal glands are not going to be able to do that the way that our adrenal glands are going to. And because if they don't increase their dose of the glucocorticoids, they could very easily end up in Addisonian crisis. And Addisonian crisis is a life-threatening medical emergency. Um, It is adrenal hyposecretion, which can happen uh, with Addison's disease and you don't have, you know, the ability to secrete your glucocorticoids and mineral corticoids, but it could also be that um, you're coming off of corticosteroids or you abruptly discontinued corticosteroids. Uh, The reason corticosteroids are tapered is because your adrenal glands do not have the ability to quickly rebound when they've been hit with a a large dose of corticosteroids, especially exogenous corticosteroids. And so when we give someone um, quite a lot of corticosteroids, we have to allow the adrenal glands to kind of bounce back and for that negative feedback cycle to bounce back because if you hit them with the large dose, that they basically put the brakes on and it's gonna take them a while to rebound and start producing enough corticosteroids on their own, glucocorticoids on their own, to um, stabilize the patient and not go into Addisonian crisis. So again, Addisonian crisis is a life-threatening medical emergency. It causes really profound hypotension that is pretty much um, unresponsive to fluid challenges. And so if you're, you could be, you know, if you had a hypotensive patient, you would go, okay, let's give them IV fluids to increase their blood pressure. And in a patient with Addisonian crisis, that's not gonna fix the problem. What the only thing that's really gonna fix the problem is giving them IV hydrocortisone um, so that we can correct the hormone imbalance that's causing the hypotension, and then they will start becoming responsive to the fluid that we're giving them. So again, Addisonian crisis really is, at the end of the day, it's adrenal hyposecretion, and it's caused any time we have um, insufficient amounts of glucocorticoids and mineral corticoids circulating in the serum. Thanks for listening to this episode. Remember that there's only eight questions on the exam about adrenal gland disorders, and there's a lot of important stuff here that's obvious to test on. So don't get caught in the weeds on these disorders and allow this podcast to guide you. If you have any questions at all about adrenal gland disorders, please feel free to reach out and let me know.